Why are there so many books like this? Welcome to Divisive Issues, a weekly podcast where we talk about comic books. I'm Ryan Lynch. I'm Sly Crapo. I'm Phil Mavrikis. And I'm Daryl Steppen. Daryl, you're Are still you... here? I know. Daryl, we told you to leave. Why won't you go? Uh, I like it here. Where Where else is he going to go, Phil? That's true. Uh, so while Daryl's here, maybe we should review a comic. <laughs> sure, let's do something cool. Like, really cool. I love this premise that Sly always pushes that we're accidentally recording this show. <laughs> oh, I didn't see you guys there. <laughs> hey, have you guys, uh, have you read this comic uh, called The Boys? The Boys by Garth Ennis? Yeah, that one. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's talk about it. All right, so elevator pitch for The Boys. First of all, The Boys is a very fucking generic title for this fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. book. <laughs> Especially because they're not even all boys. It's not that bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> but like, okay, let me let's start the concept for this. And and readers, listeners, uh, tell us does it sound like the perfect name for something with this concept? Basically, it's about how superheroes. It's a world where superheroes are a bunch of assholes, irresponsible assholes, and um, a group of humans basically are there to like hassle them and keep them in line. Uh, and basically, it's shithead edge lord shit again. <laughs> but, but like, why is it called the boys? Like, call them like fucking the the freak de- destroyer or something like that. I don't know something interesting. So the boys, freak like, destroyer. <laughs> but like something that signifies the concept at least. You have this interesting concept. No, of, I think. I think. Uh, I think actually, this title's really uh, appropriate because they are humans, non superpowered people. So they're just regular people like us. So they're the boys, just like a regular you know street group of guys and. One female called the female. <laughs> I was positive you're going to make a joke saying the boys is a perfect title because that's a target audience for his book. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, that's a good joke too. Thanks for making it. One <laughs> caveat I do want to make is this series went on for a really long time. We only read the first six issues, so maybe they explain some of the things we're going to complain about or praise. Uh, Probably not. I don't know. Well, maybe it gets really great. I don't know. Yeah, it it could go interesting places. But that's one thing is I do just want to stress it's not a standalone book. Like, usually we try to pick standalone stories. This is the beginning of a long-running book. But is it a good start? Let's find out. Spoilers! No! <laughs> just to explain a little bit about this book, uh, we mentioned Garth Ennis in Puncher Kills the Marvel Universe. And uh, I don't know if I brought this up, but... Uh, the reason why he wrote Punisher Kills Marvel Universe wasn't a coincidence that was him because he really fucking hates superheroes. Yeah, he does. Yeah, uh, he uh, he hates almost every superhero except Superman and the Wonder Woman according to him. Everyone else, uh, he likes to show them humiliated, made jokes of, and that's one reason why uh, I've never been a huge fan of Garth Ennis, even though I think he's talented. Um, the runs I like, like I like his Punisher run for the most part. Whenever another superhero shows up in it, I'm like, oh god. Yeah, that makes so much sense in the context of this book that yeah. he hates superheroes because yeah. I, I didn't know that, but now that you said that, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. And it's it's interesting because I've read only like the really really good Garth Ennis. Like he wrote a hit, he wrote a series called Hitman that I only read one issue of, but it's one of the best Superman stories I've ever read. And like it's funny that you mentioned that he 
loves Superman and hates everybody else because like when everyone says he hates superheroes, I was like, but he wrote such a good Superman story. Yeah. But apparently, it's it's not anyone else except Superman and Wonder Woman that he loves. Just for example of uh, Garfunkel's tendencies in Hitman, the series that Ryan just mentioned. Uh, he had Green Lantern get raped. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> How do you forget about that? Well, because I didn't read it. I only read that uh. one issue. But uh, I've recommended, I think pretty recently, I recommended Preacher, which is Garth Ennis. And that's another like long-form one. And the reason why I wanted to have that caveat in the beginning is because I absolutely love Preacher. But I didn't super, super love it until like 12 issues in, which is further than I gave the boys. I didn't feel this i still liked the first six issues a lot more than i like this but the reason why i bring a preacher is because garth ennis when he pitched this book he told the public that he's going to out preacher preacher and make it take just the really gory violent parts of preacher and run with that idea instead of like the good parts also uh i should mention uh like ryan said like uh this is the first uh story arc but I, I think it's fair to judge it by the first volume. Oh, yeah. Or, I'm not or, saying or, it's unfair, but I just, like, in case anyone really loves this book, I would be interested to hear, like, sell the rest of it to me after you hear what we have to say about the beginning. Because, like, there are plenty of books that I've read that don't get good for a while, but they also usually don't start out like this. <laughs> and also, but uh, it's also relevant that the intro is, is relevant to this book's success because uh, the, the, final pu- the final publishing company that we're reading under is Dynamite uh, Comics, which is a third, third party in print, uh, not the big two. But it was originally published under DC, under its Wildstorm imprint. And uh, basically DC want, was not comfortable with how anti-super it was and eventually dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it is relevant that these test issues came out because even DC read these issues like, stop making these yeah. books, let's get the fuck out of here. Wait, you mean DC is not comfortable with having a Superman copy, like... Uh, ask for blowjobs to get people not, in the he Avengers. He doesn't ask. Or not the Avengers, Justice League. <laughs> he doesn't whatever. ask in their yeah. defense. Um, and I, I just want to hail the return of Sly's imprint corner, which we haven't heard in many weeks. <laughs> but um, I just uh, get to target audience. Target audience for it's book? the same as all the other fucking Edgelords books we read. Eighth graders. If you like watching a bunch of guys like really bloody and fuck each other, that's, that's it. That's what this is. Yeah. I think I think there actually is another target audience because this one, unlike Mark Millar's stuff for me, was a lot more interesting as a premise. If you if you like the idea of uh, what would happen if in a real world where superheroes existed, they would be more they would not be as responsible as they are as virtuous comics. and uh, selfless. Right. We actually talked a little bit about that beforehand. That like you mentioned, Phil, that this is a more interesting premise. I don't. I do think that this is better structured than the Millar books we've read. It is. And I think there's actual characters in it. It actually has good writing. It's, it's actually, yeah. like, uh, We'll get into this because Daryl disagrees with us. Right, Daryl? <laughs> uh, I'll get into details later on. With okay. Yeah, <laughs> but even though it's the same target audience, I do think that there is more here. And that's why I mentioned that it does go on because I would never read a Nemesis Volume 2. Except for the podcast, you mean, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. But, like, I, if somebody, convi- like, I could see somebody convincing me to stick with the boys a little bit more than this. I'm not, I'm not going to go get it on my own, but I could see it going somewhere where something like Nemesis, I can't. I agree. Uh, so. I agree, too. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, if there was, 
for the target audience, I, I was saying that if, if you're interested in the idea of like people keeping superheroes in line, this is for you. If there was something I could think of that was better that does the same thing, I would just say don't read this. But I don't know many things that are that actually have this idea of like yeah. your conventional superhero world with people that are there to beat them up and kill them if they get too crazy. Yeah, it basically is a whole premise based around the phrase "Who watches the Watchmen?" Yeah, from Watchmen, like that's mm-hmm. and that's it is a very interesting concept. And one thing I wanted to mention before we get into the plot, the art is done by Derek Robertson, who's an artist that I really like. How do you guys feel about the art in this book? I do not like it. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's unpleasant to look at, and that might be appropriate <laughs> for the book. I'll say that. We actually talk about this a lot with the Millar stuff. That was a very astute observation that it's like it's unpleasant, but it fits the book really well because it's like, like there aren't people that are drawn in it where you're like, this is attractive or like I want to live here or be in this place. Yeah, that's how that's how I feel about it. I mean, it's not uh, technically it's competent, it's very competent. The people, the anatomy is good. It's just that. Uh, like, it just does not look pretty. It does not make me want to look at it. Yeah, I'm going to get into his art a little bit more on my recommendation. Spoilers. Okay. But I think he... There's nothing in here that I think is, like, really fantastic, but I do think he fits the book very, very well. I, I agree yeah, with that. I agree with that, too. All right, so getting to the story. The story opens up with Captain America getting his head uh, stamped on. <laughs> because... Uh, and basically, there's no context to this, no reason for this. Nothing, there's nothing, comics, nothing to do with this page. But just Captain America getting his face stepped on. It's not just his face getting stepped on. Like, his eyeballs popped out. He's all yeah. bloody. Like, it is super, super gory. Super gory. And yeah. I think the only reason why Garth Ennis put this in is because I know uh, Captain America is his least favorite superhero. So he probably just did this because he's like, <laughs> fuck you, Captain America, you piece of shit. <laughs> and one thing, like Sly mentioned, it's published by Dynamite. So it's not technically Captain America. It looks right. exactly like Captain America, but there's an M instead of an A. So whenever... Because every single character in this book has a parallel to somebody else. Yeah. We're probably just yeah. going to call them that somebody else. But, you know, yeah. keep in mind that they are like... When you go to the fair and win, like, a Pikachu that looks a little weird and it's not really a Pikachu. Pika Blue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the name of the... Basically, there's two parts uh, to the first volume. And the first part is called The Name of the Game. And that's the first section of the volume. Already one. a better title than Millar books, which are like "fuck you" and like "fuck yeah. me in the butt." <laughs> All right, so um... <laughs> I wish I was kidding. I really wish I was kidding. <laughs> the book opens up in Washington D.C. and the best opening lines of dialogue. Oh my god! Yeah. I had to stop when I was reading this. I'm like, not again! I can't believe we're doing this again. <laughs> so, like, uh, just my defense, I said, like, hey guys. What book do you want to do? And I said, here's the the boys. It's Super Edgelord. Everyone said yes. Then when they read it, they said, Slide, this is Super Edgelord. Fuck you. Why would you pick this for us? <laughs> we, we we heard it was Edgelord done good. So we're like, oh, let's <laughs> yeah. read something that's like edgy but cool. It's not. It's, it's not just edgy not. again. Anyway, tell, tell, us, tell us the opening line, Slide. What's happening as he sits there in Washington? Yeah, so this guy is on the park bench in Washington and a bunch of superheroes fly overhead. And the guy says, I'm going to fucking have you. You cunt. But he's got this big <laughs> grin on. <laughs> yep. I also want to point out, when we're talking about the art, this guy always kind of... A lot of the guys in this really look weird to me. They look like rapists. Well, yeah, a lot of them are rapists. <laughs> True. <laughs> that, the reason why... Um, I don't think it's necessarily... That means of the artist being a bad artist. I think it's just that people are... Like, not people in real life look weird. And 
they're trying to make like everything about this book is unpleasant. I think they're just trying to show like realistic, not necessarily pretty looking people. Okay, and that's so mean considering that. <laughs> I, I think that's so mean to be like they're all ugly because <laughs> the next character we meet is literally based on Simon Pegg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Simon Pegg, Simon Pegg isn't like the guy you pick like as your studio stud muffin. Yeah, most definitely not. <laughs> Simon Pegg's the greatest. <laughs> I love Simon Pegg. I mean, go see Star Trek Beyond. It's good, but <laughs> I'm not going to say he's like a superhero actor. Did we, Are we being paid by <laughs> studio? Sly, Sly is always advertising. I think he gets money on the side from all these different companies to advertise. Fuck, you guys found me out. From Simon Pegg. <laughs> yeah, from Simon Pegg himself. <laughs> Simon Pegg paid us to say he was beautiful and great in movies. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's let's move. we're we're really dragging. Yeah, so so as as Ryan mentioned, Simon Pegg is guest starring in this book, just like Eminem guest starred in Wanted. <laughs> no, but this Simon Pegg gave like his approval and everything. Really? He he no, wrote the intro in the trade, saying that uh... Derek Robertson called him and was like, "Yo, I got the rights to use your face in a book. Is that okay?" And he was like, "Yeah, I like comics, whatever." But uh, so Simon Pegg is at a carnival with his girlfriend, and um. Basically, they're having a beautiful moment together. They're kissing, and um, it's pretty immediately established that he's like super awkward and like is like a big like dweeb nerd guy. Yeah, he's a tinfoil hat man that like believes yeah. in government conspiracies and the Illuminati. But he like keeps like doing that thing that like where he says something is like no, I, I didn't mean it like that, uh, and then she's like, don't worry about it, it's fine, we're having a great time. Yeah, and then she's dead. Yeah, she's dead. So basically, they're kissing, <laughs> and and then uh, basically, I'm just gonna call him uh, uh, the Flash. His name is A Train, but he's basically Wally West, based on Wally West. But uh, yeah, so uh, A Train, Wally West, uh, basically uh, smashes a villain right through uh, Simon Pegg's girlfriend and kills her. Uh, and brutally too, like he's holding onto her arms as they're kissing, and when the villain smashes through her, he's just holding her arms. Yeah. He's yeah. looking down, like, mortified, and it's like a silent panel. And this scene, I actually thought, I was like, maybe this isn't super edgy, because, like, this is really nice and cute, and, like, this is real human moment, and then she's just arms, and I'm like, ah, never mind, fuck. Then it cuts to the guy from the first, uh, first uh, page, the guy who's saying, I'm gonna get you cunts. Uh, he's meeting a woman in uh, Washington, depending on and um, uh, he comes in. The next panel cuts to them fucking, and and she's like, "Disgust me, you dirty, filthy, repulsive son of a bitch! You make me want to puke." And the guy says, "Wait till you see where I wipe my dick, love." What does that and, even mean? Uh, on her face, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> also, did we mention this guy's name is Butcher? Yeah, I didn't mention that yet. It is. I don't. Give, I don't really give a shit about the character's name. I'm just gonna call him Simon Pig, and this guy. This guy is fucking the Punisher, I guess. And they show right before she again a cuckolding thing, even though it's a different guy. Right before she fucks this butcher guy, she's there's a picture of her husband and her kids right next to her. I didn't even notice that. Uh, but um, yeah. So there's, there's cuckolding. There's uh, the <laughs> sex jokes. There's murder and gore. So if you're a Mark Millar fan, this is right up your alley. You gotta go read this book. Yeah, target audience, Mark Millar fans. <laughs> yeah, it definitely it definitely starts off on like almost the worst foot possible it could. Yeah. Yeah. So let me come back to uh Simon Pegg and basically show his girlfriend's smash corpse. She got smashed Oh uh, that this was the grossest scene in the whole book. Yeah, her corpse is smashed against the wall. Yeah. I would not say that. But it's one of them. It's up there, but <laughs> 
And uh, Simon Pegg basically refuses to let go of her, her bloody stumps of arms, even as the paramedics are asking him to let go. And he's, like, totally quiet and, like, totally yeah. stunned by it. And uh, A-Train is basically, like, uh, whatever. Like, I got the guy. And he actually, as he as he broke through his girlfriend before, he said, get out of my fucking way. Yeah. As he killed her. And, and Simon Pegg is crying, and A-Train's like, oh, you have people deal with this, right? Cool, and he runs off. He's literally grabbing his dick when he says that. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and he says, "Can't true. stop the A train." <laughs> and he, he and he's like, "Where the fuck am I? Am I in am I in America?" <laughs> and and he's like, "Cause they're in Scotland." Yeah. And the the cops there are like, "Go fuck off there, you fucking cunt!" Just because yeah. everyone in this book just called everyone and cunts. I need to bring up that when Sly said, "Can't stop the A train," that is actually A train's catchphrase that he yeah. says, yeah. "Can't stop the A train," and then <laughs> runs away. <laughs> yeah. So then it comes back to. Um, Back to the woman in uh, Rainer. She's in the CIA. Yeah. She's she's the head of the CIA, actually. And he's there because he's like, hey, uh, I want to bring back a team. Um, you know, I know all about these superheroes, and you know they're, they're, they're assholes. And um, it's the mo- he says superpower is the most dangerous power on Earth, and you guys as the government have to know that they could fuck you up, so you need us to fuck them up so they don't fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. So he's basically at this point just explaining the premise to the reader. Yeah. yeah, so we come back to Simon Pegg, uh, and basically he's been uh, high. <laughs> he's wearing a T-shirt that says "God's Third Leg." What the fuck I does that know. even mean? <laughs> he's God's penis. <laughs> but like, basically, he's been uh, has like uh, like a bong and like uh, stuff lying around, and basically he's been drinking and smoking weed as like people are like uh, uh, asking him uh, like. Basically, they're paying him off to not talk about the incident with his girlfriend. He signs an NDA. It's a bunch of suits, and like I actually like this scene for the fact that like there's no the speech bubbles aren't attached to anyone in particular. It's just scenes of him with bloodshot eyes, the suits all around them, and then the the speech bubbles are just all over the panels, yeah. just saying stuff like you know he is a American, compensation's tricky, uh, you weren't actually married, uh, you know bruising, wouldn't accept medical, yeah, uh, you know, and then and then they're just holding him this paper to sign. And then I re- I actually really like this page a lot too because after that after he signs it. There, there's just black for the bottom panel, and it's the only words that they're not connected to him, but they're coming from him, obviously, because it says, "I don't want fucking compensation. I want her back. That's all." And like the fact that you don't even see him there, it's just like his whole world's just gone black. Like that's, that's why this is better than a Mark Millar book because that's an actual like effective thing you did narratively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good way to uh, portray grief. Yeah. 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 And, like, he's done more character work in two pages than Nemesis did in the whole fucking book. And now let's cut to a guy jerking off. <laughs> yeah, cut to a guy jerking off. Um, jerking to... off to uh, crippled people. Crippled people throwing javelins? Crippled athletes. Not even, like, naked crippled people. Like, just a, 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 a crippled athlete from the Olympics and like that. And basically he finds out Mr. Butcher is there to see him, and he jumps out the window. And Mr. Butcher is there waiting for him. And he kicks him in the groin. Yeah, uh, Mr. Butcher does, and um, everyone calls him a monkey. His name is Monkey. Yeah, yeah. Just like they have, they all have weird names like Butcher, Fr- the Frenchman. Wait, his first name is actually Monkey. Monkey. No, I think that's probably his like his code name. Oh, that's oh, okay. Yeah, his name is Mr. Kessler, but I don't think that yeah. matters. Yeah. So then, what happens next? Um, he beats him up, and he's like, "Oh, Monkey." Apparently, that's his contact to all the superheroes because. When he was talking to the CIA director, he tells her, you know, I know all of them and I have profiles on all of them and you don't. And apparently Monkey is his contact 
who knows he has like all the updated superhero killings and yeah. news somehow he has this and all. he's getting his team together and for some reason which he doesn't tell us in this book he needs five people yeah and he's he grabs the file for simon Pegg. and so then we cut to simon Pegg, and basically he's at he's at the park um and he's, he's uh crying uh saying it's not fair it can't be it was all going right for me for once world just stop, stop fucking churning will ya and then uh, cuts uh, and shows that Butcher is standing next to him on the bench. End of issue one. And he has like he has a stupid shit eating grin on. He always does. <laughs> and also he has a dog that I didn't mention yet. He's had a dog the whole time, but yeah, his like, name is Terror. The dog. It's like a big uh, like bulldog. He's not relevant for anything except shit as well. So, but it's gonna come up soon. So, I might as well bring it up now. Yeah. yeah. And that's the end of issue one. Yeah. So. Um, so. When I finished issue one, I was like, this is shitty, but there's some stuff, like, I like Simon Pegg's character. Let's see if this goes somewhere. And, like, I immediately felt like, I don't, maybe I'm just so desensitized from, like, Nemesis and the Unfunnies. I probably, if I read this before the show, I probably would have been like, this is garbage. But I was like, okay, this isn't the worst thing. It's not. And like I said before, I think the premise actually is really interesting. Because the idea of, like, in real life... People who are always throwing people through buildings and shit and, like, shooting lasers out of their eyes and, you know, running at the speed of sound, like, they're going to kill people. And if you're so powerful that you feel like you're above the law, some of those people are not going to care about what they're doing. Especially the fact that in all comics, it's not like they're they're trained. They they get powers and they're like, I'm going to go shoot lasers now, see ya. And that becomes yeah. a major theme later yeah. where he even yeah. brings it up. We'll get to that when he brings it up. So, uh, we come back to, uh, for issue two, we are at the park and the guy's... Uh, Peg's crying, and the butcher, uh, is is uh, asks like, "Oh, you lose somebody? Is that it?" And but uh, Peg just keeps crying, and there's a dog yipping in the background, yip yip yip, and um, taking a big shit. Oh yeah, I missed that part. Oh yeah, so there's a dog <laughs> taking a big shit, and young yip 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 excitedly as he's shitting, and uh, and uh, Simon Peg's like, "What is that fucking noise?" And uh, butcher says, "Oh, it's one of those little dogs, Shih Tzu, whatever you call them, horrible little things." And uh, Sam Pegg says, I hate those wee bastards. So Butcher turns to his dog and says, Terra, Terra, mate. Fuck it. Because he's like, it's not, she's not even going to clean up after that dog. Go fuck it. Yeah. And, and like this panel is so terrible of the dog's face. Just this big like sociopathic grin it has on. Yeah. Shit eating grin. <laughs> it's more than shit eating. It's scary. <laughs> Maybe he ate the shit before he fucked it. He looks like he's going to rape someone and he is. He is, yeah. So then we cut to uh, a French guy. It's called his name is the Frenchman because of course he is. Whenever you fucking have a French guy, usually called a Frenchman. Whatever yeah. the fuck it is, <laughs> people are equally as mad at him as Sly is. For why? Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> he's French. That's yeah. it. Haven't yeah. you met Americans? He's talking. He's talking to. He's like monologuing to a cup of espresso, and everyone's just like, "Fuck you, you faggot!" Like, why? <laughs> what? Wait, and they also make a Simpsons reference. Goddamn surrender monkey, cheese eater. Is that a Simpsons reference? Yeah, Willie. Cheese eating surrender monkeys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's so yeah, the, the Frenchman, a uh, very original name, just like original name Boys. Like, I've never seen any fucking uh, <laughs> 30, 30 dozen fucking thing with those names ever. But yeah, so they he, the Frenchman freaks out and starts being the shit out of the uh, guys in. He, the like, club. punches one guy and his whole jaw explodes. Like, this yeah. guy is strong. Yeah. Also, the design of his outfit, it's just a bald ish guy with like a 
like pilot's goggles on his head. Yeah. And then before he beats the shit out of them, he puts the goggles on his face, starts screaming, and then just starts headbutting them and kicking <laughs> the shit out of them. So, uh, so I just noticed that this is really weird. So Butcher, after he told his dog to fuck the other dog, he left Simon Pegg to go yeah. to the Frenchman and say, hey, join me. Then he yep. goes back in time to see... Oh, no, I took that as, like, all him getting the rest of the team together was in flashback. But it was only one person he got. No, but he does yeah. this regularly where he keeps cutting to other people and then back to oh, him yeah, and Simon Pegg. Yeah, Pink. you're right, it could That's be. true, but that's it, true. they don't give any narration showing that it's flashback. I just took it that way. It was confusing at first. Also, they don't um, give any, like, locale. Besides visual cues for, like, yeah. location... They don't give any, like, saying, like, Washington, D.C., uh, here's the Frenchman. I, I, I didn't know this was supposed to be New York. I thought they were still in uh, Scotland or, the, or Wales, wherever the fuck Simon well, Pegg is from. They, they are <laughs> when he's with Simon Pegg. I know, but, not, but like, there's, he never gives any, like... Yeah, it jumps all over the world, and they never tell us anything. Yeah. So then um, we come back to the dog fucking the other dog. And it's, like, disgusting, too, because this giant bulldog is drooling all over... And he's like twice the size of the other dog that he's fucking. And there's a pigeon stuck under him as he fucks the oh, other I dog. I didn't even notice yeah. that. Yeah, that was a good detail. <laughs> like, like this scene is just so terrible. And so Simon Pegg is like laughing. Like, this is great. Hilarious. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I, I, I don't like him anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, Where once, once you introduce like dog sodomy, it's just like, oh, no. And the fact that the two of them are like, this is awesome. This is fun. <laughs> yeah. This is such an edgelord thing enjoy but yeah. Uh, yeah you're right <laughs> i can't defend this i try and i can't so uh butcher takes him for a walk and he talk about how superheroes are dicks well this is when he explains i'm gonna shoot straight with you i know what happened to your girlfriend i'm you know i'm gonna reiterate the premise of the book now do you want <laughs> in on this so we cut to the the girl member of the boys the female the female of the species in, without any location location yet again and it's basically her, she's knocking on a door to uh, she's like a, a like a she looks like a child almost yeah like I can't tell if she's just short or but like she looks young she yeah. looks like a, a, she's Asian too so she looks like a crazy like girl from like a, a the brain <laughs> like the brain or something like, like that she's Asian Asian so of course she looks crazy <laughs> no but say she's like a crazy like a girl from the ring or, or like Sly's like always the racist one on this show he calls me a fucking Suvlaki slurper <laughs> and then anyway was that Sly or the Joker it, it was the Joker but Sly made me read that book therefore I'll blame him <laughs> also whenever like a girl shows up in any of these books for more than one frame I always start a countdown in my head until like some sexual advancement from a gross man yeah. It's immediate, always. <laughs> oh, it's immediate, they, yeah. the, the, the guys who she's knocking on the door, they're like, uh, she's pretty hot, I'm going to give her my dick. No, they don't even say she's hot. There's two guys, and one guy's like, should we help her? Like, should we let her in? The guy's like, I don't care what you do, I'll show her I'll show her my dick. Like, he doesn't even <laughs> yeah. look at her. <laughs> yeah, and they suggest that uh, like, these are like, they're like doing something shady. Yeah. And the girl knocks on the door and like, oh, can I make her leave? And then like, oh, uh, I'll show her my fucking dick. The little cunt can learn to make herself useful. Oh, and when he opens the door for her... Uh, she basically murders both of them and she rips off their faces and splashes against the window. Like, another really gross but kind of, like, the art is good but it's a really gross image of this face splattered against the window with blood everywhere just sliding down. Yeah. Uh, and again, like, if this was Malar, I think we would get three pages of her dismembering them. <laughs> so we cut back to them, uh, Simon Pegg and Butcher talking. And uh, he's, he's basically saying, I want you to join the boys. We're going to uh, fucking show these superior cunts what's what. And um, then we cut to another guy who has, who's a black guy who's drinking 
a, co- a coffee cup that says badass on it. Um, this guy's huge, by the way. Like, he's yeah. sitting at his dining room table, but, like, he he's like a, a giant sitting at, like, a kid's table. Yeah. yeah. He's, like, super buff. And basically this guy's like, oh, uh, butcher man, I don't know. This is, this is the only character I like. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. So this guy is like, he doesn't want to join the, the boys, which makes him automatically more likable than anyone else on this fucking Well, Simon Pegg doesn't commit to join either. Yeah, but he's he's like excited by dog sex, so... Yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> he's only human. Come on, right, guys? <laughs> so he's like, oh, I, 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 that should happen before, and, I, and uh, I, I don't want to, I want to put all that behind me. And if I want to make a difference, I want to do it on a small scale. And basically, uh, while they're talking, um, <laughs> this scene, his daughter comes down, and uh, she's wearing like a tight tank top, skimpy, skimpy clothing, bare yeah. midriff. But she's wearing a shirt that has like her huge chest in it, and it says "my lumps" across it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, he says, "Janine, honey." What we say about you dressing that way? And she says, "Oh, did we say something?" Because I remember having a conversation. All I remember is you telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. At first, yeah. I was like, "No, she has a fair point." But then, like the scene is immediately—it's obvious that she's wrong. Yeah, like she, she basically make, you, I, you could uh, say like she has a right to have just how she wants. Like she's fucking sixteen, but she leaves the house, and uh, basically there's a bunch of gangbangers with guns waiting for her. And basically, the show like no, uh, these black thugs are wrong, and she's wrong. For- I think it's sly. I don't know if you mentioned it on the show, but you've always said that like whenever female comic book characters are like bad, they're always like super slutty. They're always so tied together. Yeah, and like because it's, it could have been a lot. Like, why bring this up if not just to like shame her for being in a bad crowd and dressing poorly? Yeah. Well, I think that another function of this scene is that you have the dad who's like a nice guy and he's like, oh man, I don't know how to deal with this. But then you have Butcher who I think is like a Garth Ennis. Is, he, I feel like he's channeling himself in here. He's like... He's a self-insert. Yeah, he's a Mary Sue. That, that's that, that's why I, I called him Punisher before because he reminds me of the Punisher is that he's, he's a self-insert for, for Garth Ennis. He's a big bulky guy with a black trench coat on and black hair. Yeah. And where where the dad is like too much... in uh, probably Garth Ennis eyes, he's like too much of a pussy to deal with his daughter. Butcher goes outside to these gangbangers and says, I need to have a word with Janine. He punches one of their guns and it crumples up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, this is like, it just seems like such a unrealistic, stupid, like, uh, uh, middle-aged white man's fantasy to go up to a bunch of dogs and smash your guns and get the fuck out of here. And tell, yeah. and tell this slutty daughter and be like, you need to respect your dad. He does everything for you. Your mother's a cow who doesn't deserve anything. Yeah. And you bring her up. You know what? You should go treat your dad with some bloody respect. And it's it's such an obvious, like, no, this guy, since he's a man's man, can go deal with his slutty yeah. daughter, even though the dad can't, because he's too much of a pussy. Yeah, it's like an overly aggressive, masculine way of handling things. It's like I really hated this scene so much. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if Garfriend is ha- if one of his friends has like a daughter like this. And he's like, you know, what? I'll fucking show that cunt. I'll put her in a story. <laughs> yeah, I'll draw a comic of me punching a gun. <laughs> so then uh, it, it cuts to back. To, now it's like nighttime and. Uh, Butcher and him. Uh, Butcher, Butcher and Simon Pegg. Yeah, they meet up and uh, and like Ryan said, Simon Pegg's hesitant about it, saying, "Oh, I'm a bad my element here. I just want to move on from this." And uh, basically, Butcher says, "This happened before. It's gonna happen again. Uh, you want to do something to stop it? You want to be just be, you, want, you want to just move on?" And uh, so he leaves, and uh, Simon Pegg has to contemplate the decision. End of issue two. Well, he gives. He also he's like, "You make up your mind, do whatever you want, but here's like a couple thousand dollars just to make everything easier." So he's very much like a guardian angel figure to Simon Pegg now. Yeah. 
So then uh, that ends uh, the first story name of the game. Issue three is when I was like, oh, okay, this yes. book's so, terrible. Now, now we're getting to the the quote unquote, the kind of villains of the story, the seven, which are basically Justice League. And I li- actually like this cover a lot, where it's a it's an old comic book like issue with uh, the seven drawn on it in like I don't know what era this would be from, but like Silver Age. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very obvious, like it's an evocative of that, like the the old timey superheroes, and there's a knife through the comic yeah. issue, and like and like so then it opens with uh, the equivalent of the Justice League satellite, which is like this weird hell carrier thing, and a new superhero God called uh, Starlight shows up, and um, Superman meets her. Yeah, who's what's and, Superman's name? The Homelander. Homelander. And immediately the countdown begins since it's, yeah. a, so it's a pretty. This female. one actually lasts a while. No, it doesn't. That's two pages. Yeah, that's two pages. <laughs> that's, no, it, it doesn't. The bad thing doesn't happen until page four, and that's yeah. a lot for this kind of book. <laughs> Just Ryan, your expectations. Wow, <laughs> four pages. You like it's it's for me. I was like I knew from this this conversation oh, yeah. that it was happening. Like, yeah, I, I wanted to see what way Superman would be a terrible person, and I yeah, was crossing yeah. my fingers that the rest of the Justice League would be terrible and not him. But no. <laughs> so basically, he's giving her a tour of the satellite. She's really impressed because she's from a small team of superheroes. She's from like the Teen Titans equivalent, right? Uh, a Christian version too. So yeah, the, the the superheroes in this world, aside from one team that we're going to talk about later, are very much grounded in like the real America. Very obvious air quotes there of like white Christian conservative, like status quo kind of machismo. And they make that pretty clear throughout the whole book. And she's so impressed to be meeting with Superman. She's like, I can't believe you're meeting me yourself. Oh, my God. And he's like, of course. He uh, even tells her his real name, and she does yeah. the same. And uh, basically, like, she's, she says, like, I've been waiting this my whole life. It's, this is like, oh, no, this is like, this is like the, hitting the big leagues. And, like, oh, uh, you pass all your tests. There's just <laughs> one final test for you to pass. And I know you're going to excel at that, too. And she says, hmm? Cut to the splash page, which is uh, Superman with pants down, showing his butt, his hairy butt. To, to the audience, but his dick to her. Yeah, and he says, yells out, suck it. Not only does do we see his hairy butt, but it has like a thong tan line. Yeah. Oh yeah, it does. I At this page, that's when I was like, I had to stop for a minute and be like, I don't know why this exists. Like, why this has to exist. I, I was expecting something bad to happen, like Daryl was saying. Like, the countdown always does begin naturally in my head. Yeah. But I, I just, I just like, hoped it wouldn't. But um, in the name of this part of the story, it's called Cherry. I don't know why, but it's called Cherry. You broke... He popped it. a cherry, I guess? Yeah, yeah I Simon, guess. Simon Pegg pops his cherry. Yeah. Uh, I also... Um, you were saying before about how uh, promiscuity is tied with like villainy in comics a lot for, yeah. for for females and i think it's interesting with this character starlight how she's like the good type of superhero oh. and now she's she's not a slut and he's like hey be a bad guy like me suck my dick yeah, yeah. so uh, we we cut to uh someplace in america I don't, in the bronx the bronx yeah. so basically uh simon pegg got a place in the bronx and it's since the bronx is like a shithole so he took butcher's advice and moved to america yeah and um, so they're in America now, and uh, that's where their locale is going to be. Because important line here uh, that will come up later. Well, he's telling them, "Don't live in South Bronx; it's a pigsty." And he's like, "I don't mind it; it's kind of interesting." And Butcher says, "Well, first flood of blood-flecked semen under the door. Don't come crying to me." What does that mean? Well, is, keep that in mind. Is that keep a that thing that happens? 
That's what I wonder, but apparently, according to this comic, it is. <laughs> well, I think Garfenis secretly hates America as well as superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> but just like I don't get what is that? What what made that? I think I think he thinks like all Americans, you just jerk off blood into your stool samples, right? That's whatever. Steven <laughs> isn't a stool sample. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say what? It's like every time they when when you go to the doctor and they ask you for a stool sample, what do you give them? <laughs> <laughs> just just throws off into it. Here you go. I figure you, you get both of them and they can value both at the same time. Uh, I like this, this. There's a cool um, uh, splash page kind of of uh, when they're driving in the taxi and they're you they cut to Manhattan and you see what is maybe the Throg's Neck Bridge or the Verrazano Bridge uh, just completely destroyed. Yeah. So it kind of gives you an idea. Like I guess superheroes and supervillains have a bigger impact than we see on a day to day. And the counter, not only is the bridge destroyed, but this was written in 2013, and the uh, the Twin Towers are still there. Yeah. Which is just, it's a it's an immediately, it's very subtle and interesting that just, like, look how different the world is. Not only are there more tragedies, but there's also less human tragedies. Like, it, it kind of frames it in a way that the current tragedies they deal with are all superhero-related. That's yeah. interesting, interesting detail. I was kind of got stopped by Captain America. I mean, probably. <laughs> you guys had stepped on. So, um, uh, basically, we come back to Starlight, and she's like, oh, this can't be happening. Uh, you have to leave. And she w- tries to walk out, and she walks into Batman and oh, uh, this. and uh, the Flash, the A-Train, as we met before. And uh, she's like, oh, I don't know what's happened. Someone's controlling the Homelander. I love that she goes to this comic book thing. Like, yeah. he must be mind-controlled or possessed by aliens. Or an android or, or something. And then immediately, the next panel, Flash and Batman, their dicks are out. Their pants are off, and they're like, oh, we're all going to get blowjobs. So you see three pairs of just big white butts. <laughs> and, yeah, and Superman goes, yes, and we'd like to get our dicks sucked. And A-Train goes, can't stop the A-Train. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That actually happens, listeners. He says that. That's the only thing he says is can't stop the A-Train. <laughs> and she goes to leave and storm off, and he's just like, you can leave. You don't have to suck our dicks. But just have fun with the whatever your team's name is. You know, go have fun with those nobody. Yeah, so how, ba- how badly do you want to join the seven? I guess you don't want bad- that badly. Fuck you. And, uh, oh, be- and also, I- we forgot to mention earlier, because I know this is Sly's favorite thing. She does mention that she's dating someone in the team. Oh, yeah, in her team. So she's so that guy's got to get cuckolded, right, Sly? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. If Carfin, this is Mark <laughs> It's just an edgelord thing to do. I-, I wanted to bring up specifically that it's not cuckolding. It's just cheating, because it's not like... It's not like those men know about it that we know of. That's true. Unlike yeah. unlike in Millar's books, where the guy always knows and has to accept it. Yeah. That's true. That is actually a big difference. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> it's just your your standard. <laughs> so then we have the team. We have the boys team meetup for the first time, where we have the whole team there. Simon Pegg comes to meet them. So again, the team is Butcher. It's Frenchman. It's the big black guy named Mother's Milk. And which I guess is again supposed to he's kinda like the nurturing one, so they're trying to evoke that, I guess. And the female um, and now Simon Pegg's there to meet them. Yeah, and uh, basically they're all fucking creeps. And they're um, they're really creepy. And he even tries to shake the female's hand, and all of them jump on Simon Pegg, and they're like, "Don't do that." She's insane. Yeah. She's a she's an insane serial killer. And she just looks at him with these eyes that aren't really crazy. It's just like staring. She's like blank. One thing that stood out to me though about the scene that I actually really liked is they're like they want to pl- like the butcher is like, "Let's plan how to be like this, you know, big mission and all this stuff." And then they're all like. Can't we just like hang out and get to know each other a little bit better first? Like we've been retired for a while. They order pizzas, and it feels much more 
like a team than like the we talked about like villains cheating and stuff. They don't just show a giant montage of like all the gadgets they have and all this stuff. They do try to actually make them feel like people. They might not be yeah. people that I like. I hate I hate most of them though. It's yeah. okay to hate most of them, but they do feel like more like uh, human in the sense that they get there and the the mother's milk guy who's more nurturing and like he's like the fatherly figure. He's like, wait, you guys didn't fix the plumbing. I mean, we have to fix this place up before we can start working. Like, uh, yeah, you know, they they act not just like these superhuman like beings that just do everything they need to do. Yeah, yeah like like just have a nemesis lab immediately in New York City. Yeah, and this yeah. is why I think this book is is much better than the Mark Millar books we've read because like it's still bad. But it's bad in a way that I understand instead of just total it, shit. It, just, it feels like a story. If uh, Mark stories feel more like a, a proof of concept, like, yeah. for a movie, this feels like an actual like th- like you don't need to edit much to make this into a movie. It will still be like fucking atrocious to watch. But it's a story. Like it has characters yeah. developed. Uh, so um, we cut to back to Starlight. She's in the bathroom vomiting because she just sucked everyone's dick. Yeah. It's like it's a mossy green vomit. It's really gross too, and yeah. like the her she has she's wearing makeup, and so her mascara is running down her face. It's just like you. That's why when you said that's the most disgusting scene, I was thinking of this one actually. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And um, Wonder Woman's in the bathroom too, and uh, her name is Queen Maev, <laughs> Empress of the Other World. Yeah, and she's like, oh, I never imagined I'll meet you. You're so pretty. I, I wore my hair just like you. I have a costume just like yours. You're my idol. And and uh, Wonder Woman basically just says, fuck off. She doesn't basically. She literally says "fuck off." Yeah. <laughs> she says "fuck off" literally. Yes. And, and then she, and then Starlight just walks back into the bathroom stall oh. to continue puking. God, I, it's just terrible. And so we cut to back to the boys, and they they have their first targets, which are the Teen Titans, basically. Well, this is like edgy Teen Titans. There's the Teen Titans that Starlight's from. That's like super conservative. X Men Evolution. Yeah, these yeah. are like the X Men. I guess. Wow, they really are Teen Titans. How did I not realize this? <laughs> I mean. Big game, big game to, is like such like Nightwing face. Yeah, it's right? basically yeah. Nightwing. It's same mask as Nightwing, and same hair as Nightwing. I think I was thrown off by Judge Dredd in the middle, <laughs> <laughs> or Blarney Cock, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> they're like they're a goth teen superhero team, and they yeah. said like we're gonna start with this team because nobody really likes them that much. Like yeah. the super conservative seven kind of looks down at them as like freaks and like outsiders, and it's just an interesting kind of take on the like there this whole book is so like edgy and outsider but it's in a world that pretends to be super normal and status quo that like i found that interesting that even though they're all a bunch of assholes they're putting up this face of being super like conservative and regular and like heartland that like having an outcast team in this world i actually found kind of interesting so but just to go to the team we have nightwing a big game and we have Popclaw, which is basically... Uh, X-23. X-23, which is the Wolverine clone. Uh, she has claws just like him, and she's a female, just like X-23. Shout-out is like... Um, he shoots electricity, so he's like Static Shock. Yeah, yeah Static Shock. <laughs> Whack Job is kind of like Lobo, or like... <laughs> like, like basically... like a, I don't know what to compare it to, but Jet Streak is basically uh, Impulse from uh, Young Justice. Do these ca- characters matter at all? No, but I just like I just like pointing out the okay. who the characters are basically. You're and wasting so much time, Sly. We're never gonna get through a single issue if you don't keep nitpicking every detail. Alright, fuck you. Okay, so well, Gunpowder is Judge Dredd, like Daryl said. <laughs> Who's Blarney Cock? In I don't know. <laughs> and Dognot, which is a reference to fucking Doc's cock, which is gross, but Dognot is a uh, beast. Yeah. <laughs> two cock two cock characters immediately. <laughs> So both of us, me and Sly, were like, this is an interesting premise, and that's what ends issue three. Issue four immediately makes me eat those words. Uh, are you sure this isn't, like, the 
like the perfect encapsulation of this comic. I guess. So so Daryl, tell me. Issue four <laughs> issue four <laughs> Issue four opens with a view inside that teen team's hideout. What's going on? So it's all of them naked. <laughs> running around and laughing and telling each other to move and you're like oh why are they doing this and then you see inside of the rooms because they're running through the hallways in the rooms they're each having sex with different women and then every so often and they're often, running through like a fucking episode of Scooby Doo yeah. like from door to door in a hallway and they're still wearing their masks and boots they have nothing else on but they're like you can tell who they are but their outfits based on like their mask yeah. and I was actually surprised that the dog guy is just a he has a beast face and that's it. I thought it was I thought yeah. it was gonna be way more gross. I was surprised too. Yeah. I think I think he was like not any more bestiality or no no human on animal sex. Yeah, maybe they saw last uh issue and they're like, You need to stop this. Yeah. And just to make sure that it's not totally chauvinistic that all these like sad looking women prostitutes are getting fucked by this team, there's also that uh the goth girl that is just like, yes, now you two fuck each other in the ass. Yeah, She doesn't engage, though. She just watches. And also, yeah. Judge Dredd is getting whipped by a cat of nine tails, and another girl's lubing up his gun to put it in his ass. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And oh Simon God. Pegg is watching it from binoculars across the street, just like, oh, God, what is going on? They all yell change to switch to go to the next room. Yeah, they, they switch prostitutes. Like in the episode of Futurama when they yell change places. And as if this isn't bad enough, uh, well, I guess we'll get to that in a little bit. Right, so, so we come back to Starlight, Fuck. and now she meets the rest of the team in like a team meeting. And like we said, they're all just League analogs. And um, at the team meeting, Wally West, uh, uh, A-Train, uh, starts doing like a, a cock-sucking uh, motion when uh, Starlight introduces herself. And basically, uh, Homelander takes him aside later on and beats the shit out of him. Basically saying, you can't fucking do it in public. Yeah, he's like, that's what we do in private. Like, when we're in front of the people that fund us, it's total serious business. Yeah. And he, like, he really beats him and threatens to kill him. Like, his, his eyes go to heat vision for a second, and he's like, please don't kill me. And they're yeah. fighting, the whole meeting is about their licensing rights on who gets enough, who gets what cut from action figure sales. Well, I like that the Aquaman guy brings that up. He's like, uh, how come your guys' toys are selling more than mine? <laughs> yeah, and the ones, the ones that everyone's complaining about are the Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman figures, which is like pretty yeah. much, pretty much DC summed up. Like, yeah. I I actually like that a lot. That the rest of the team's like, you know, you guys get more money than us, and they're like, because nobody wants to fucking buy your toys unless they're in sets with ours. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, and it's great because it's like the instead of talking about like saving the world, these superheroes are literally just like talking about you know bullshit action figures like. yeah this is so and we come back to the the teenage nicks which is what the teen titans are called this is what i was gonna say was a lot darker is like not only are they doing this depraved this depravity like just running around through the hallways banging all these girls but then it, it gets even darker where you find out this is the only whorehouse in the city that'll take them and why because apparently fucking superheroes breaks you so yeah this you see a girl on the toilet with blood all over her fingers from her vagina because uh, when you, I guess when you fuck Superman in the Flash, you know yeah. it's gonna hurt. And everybody else is doing this weird blue cocaine to, to yeah. try and keep them up. To, you know, it's like he says, hard to keep up with a bloke who can outrun a leopard. Yeah. So they're all just doing drugs to be able to have their bodies take it. Yeah. And Simon Pegg is photographing all this stuff. Yes. And then we cut back to the 
uh, CIA director or other, uh, God damn it. and uh, they're having sex she's having sex with Butcher again and she's like ow oh, you piece of shit how fucking dare you I, I really this. like that they, they just zoom in on the dog enjoying this <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and also like we have to see him throw away his condom. Yeah, like, for some reason that grosses me out more than anything in this book. Uh, I don't know why because it is a lot more gross stuff. Like the the, the dog watching is just no, but yeah. like there's just something so like visceral about that that just really grosses me out. So we cut to, to like uh, the the boys are spying on the teenagers. Well, why, why was he why was he there meeting the I don't remember. He's Maybe getting a... some weird blue serum. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. he's like, uh, he's like, you're the only person I can get it from. Yeah. So uh, we cut to the teenage Knicks, and the, the boys are spying them. It's like a montage. Aren't they the teenage kicks? Yeah, the teenage, oh, the kicks. teenage kicks. Yeah. Fuck, I don't give a shit. But <laughs> <laughs> the Teen Titans. So the Teen Titans. This is uh, the best montage in the series it's, that we've it's read. It's pretty. It's pretty ridiculous. We have to go through all these things. Right, go ahead. I, I can't not. Go ahead. They're at the movie theater at a premiere, and one. Movie star is jerking off two of the superheroes. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. I missed and that. then next scene, he's one of them is putting on a, a magic show for the kids. For kids, kids in a hospital, like with cancer. Yeah, these are dying. This is St. Jude's, right? Yeah, they said that. Yeah. So this is a cancer, uh, a children's cancer hospital, and Blarneycock is stealing their medicine. The next scene, you have the leader of the team, and I forget the other guy's name. Static Shock. Shout out. Sh- shout out. Making out. Yeah. Then in the next scene, you have the Beast character giving a blowjob to the leader of the team, Nightwing, while yeah. he's on the toilet smoking crack. Yeah. yeah. That is literally happening in one panel. And then we also have the uh, the X-23 character, whatever her name is, cutting herself with her, like, Wolverine claws. Which doesn't seem as bad as all the other stuff. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's definitely yeah. not as crazy. The crack, pi- the crack pipe sent it over the edge for me. I'm like, <laughs> it's just like... I didn't notice the crack pipe. The uh, oh, they just, they, it's seriously so crazy how he's like, I need to cram as many depravities as I can into one page. And this, yeah. Uh, so yeah. we cut to, uh, they're in the, the truck spying them in classic, like, spy fashion. <laughs> oh, you know, TV screens and everything on, you know, like... Like a hundred in a van. Yeah, it's like, if you watch a movie, you see this fucking scene. But And, and like, uh, Bush gets coffee for Simon Pegg. And like they're having a natural chat, and basically out of nowhere, he injects some of the blue stuff he got from the CIA director. And uh, Simon Pegg's like, "What the fuck? What the fuck did you do that for?" And he explains like, "This is the thing to give people uh, uh, superpowers, and uh, we need these to uh, fight them." And uh, but Simon Pegg's like, "I don't want to fucking become a superhero." He's like, "Shit!" And he says it like rewrites your DNA and stuff. He's yeah, like, you could have asked me. The important thing to mention yeah. is in this universe, it's like that's how people get superpowers is from this stuff. Yeah, and 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 it's not like everyone takes it intentionally. He says that like it alters people's DNA, so when you have kids, that you have a chance of having it. It gets into the food supply, so people who eat it can get it, and yeah. then they. So, so kids. he says like all those superhero origins about like aliens and all this stuff is just a fluke. This happens sometimes. Yeah, and basically, so he's like, "Shite, fuck off! I never said I was gonna join your uh, he- uh, gang of head the balls. I never fucking said." He, he walks keeps off. saying head balls. I don't know what that is. Head in the balls. It must be a Scottish thing. Any any Scots listening, please uh, write in and tell us what head in the balls or head yes. in the balls means. Uh, Simon Pegg, after you give Sly his check. <laughs> Sly can just ask him himself. So he says, uh, I'm going home to fucking Glasgow, and he leaves. I actually, I did like that he wasn't cool with being injected. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like there's character, there's character here. There's character nuance yeah. here. We keep we keep comparing it to this, but in a Millar book, he'd be like, okay, I'm a superhero now. Where it's like him, he's like, yeah. I never wanted this. What are you doing? This is what I mean about Ennis, is, like, I don't like this super edgelord thing, but this is a story, like Sly said. He, this is edgelord done right? 
It's Edgelord done better. Yeah. But, like, it's Edgelord, like, you can't escape the fact that it's Edgelord. Like, it has shitting yeah. cocks yeah. and all this fucking shit. But, like, it actually has character nuance and, like, development. And, yeah. like, it's actually a story. Like I said, like, you can say it's not what you want to read, but you can't argue this. the writer is a fucking hack. You can say he has gross tendencies, but he's not a hack. Like, you can argue with Mark Millar is by reading yeah. Unfunnies or... Yeah. Um, so then, speaking well, the, of not a hack, what happens when he's in the Bronx? <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say... <laughs> There, there's some good character development here where Simon Pegg's going to bed looking at his passport for the UK. So he's like, I'm going to go home. And then he hears out his door, uh, and, and it cuts to blood-flecked semen pouring out under his door. And it's so much. And he just yeah. goes, ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then goes, and then just like, it's lying in bed in the next panel. And that's how it ends. The end of issue, issue four. Uh, issue five. Opens up with... Uh, probably my favorite scene in the whole book. Yeah, my favorite scene, too. Basically, Simon Pegg meets Starlight in her civilian identity. And, yeah, neither um, of them have any idea who they are. They're just on the same park bench. There's actually, yeah. like, in each of these issues, there's one part I like per book, and that's about yeah. it. Yeah. And, yeah, this is the one I like of this one. Yeah, so, uh, basically, they, they have a nice conversation. And, basically, they both saying like, oh, um, I was offered to join this team, but I have to do some crazy shit to be part of it. And they both kind of convince each other to stay with their team. So Simon Pegg gets convinced to stick with the boys, and Sarai gets convinced to stick with the seven. And they both they both come to the conclusion that like we already did the shitty part, so why not? What did, what does he say? You did the penance. You did the penance, so you might as well give the sin a try. I love that. I think that's such a cool line. And yep. like basically, like I already got injected, and you already sucked all those dicks. So we might as well like. Do the he doesn't good know part. she sucked all the dicks. I know, but like what he's saying is like you did the shitty part. Both of us did. We might as well reap the benefits of it. And we come back to the boys, and uh, it turns out they revealed uh, all the photos and stuff, and like they, they, to they, the they, team, they, not to the media. Uh, this goes on so long. They they send yeah. these to the teenage kicks and. All the teenage kids start screaming at each other because the, uh, the leader, Nightwing, was getting a blowjob from two different guys that didn't know. Yeah. So they're like, you cheating on me, you cock-sucking faggot or whatever. And basically what the letter says with the pictures is either you guys put up one person as a sacrifice and like have them go public with their sin or we're going to ruin the whole team. So you guys have like 24 hours to decide. And these pages are just like, it's the the, t- the photos of the Teenage Kicks and it's all the boys laughing about this. And it's just uh, word bubbles as they're listening in to them arguing. And they're just like arguing forever and cursing at each other yeah. and getting mad and calling each other pejoratives. Fuck you, yeah. fuck you. He says, fuck you, Judge Dredd. You're the sick asshole licking his own shit off his gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's also something that calls the black guy a coon. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's that. like, That's... oh boy. It's pretty. It's it's the dialogue in this whole book is pretty edge lord. Ed, yeah, edge lord. Yeah, yeah. So so then, uh, Simon Pegg has come back, and uh, he says, uh, and uh, basically they explain the situation uh, that they revealed this stuff to the team, and uh, then we we cut to Butcher and Simon Pegg eating. Um, basically, there's a lot of just exposition dump yeah, in here. Yeah. The team, the team sends out Static Shock to say he's gay and everything. I think I was wrong. I don't think he's the one with electricity powers. I it, think... w- it was uh, Blonnie Cock. Has no, no, it's not Blonnie Cock. It's the 
It's the Lobo one. Yeah, Lobo one. Whatever. The, uh, whatever, yeah. Who gives a shit? Oh, you, you racist, Phil? You think just because he's black, he has electric powers? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's not why. But, but, but fun fact, almost every black DC superhero has electric powers. Black Lightning, <laughs> Black Vulcan, Static Shock, uh, Juice, yeah, uh, Jackie Thunder. It's like, it's like a racist stereotype. If you're black, you have lightning powers. That's it. Uh, for the record, Jakeem Thunder doesn't have electric powers. He is a genie, dumbass. <laughs> but he has, like, electric fucking genie. Oh, the genie looks electric. Yeah, so it still fucking counts, Ryan. Fuck you. <laughs> and the only other real thing that, like, happens in this issue is we see Starlight being like, shouldn't we show some support for this team? And Superman just goes, actually, uh, yeah. no, we shouldn't. Fuck you. And your costume needs to be way sluttier. And he so condescendingly draws, like, cleavage holes on with a marker on her costume. Yeah. Which is not a nice commentary because, like, super t- uh, female members of superior teams, almost all of them had a slight costume at some point. Wonder Woman had a slight costume at one point. This woman from Fast Four had a slight costume at one point. Yeah. Power Girl has a slight costume forever. And, and they talk about it being, like, a, a marketing thing because they say the, the company that funds us, um, they want your costume to be more photogenic. Yeah. So then the, the issue ends with, you know, the boys hanging out. And being like, we did such a good thing, especially, you know, thanks to you, Simon Pegg. And then the Teen Titans guys show up and say, like, how could you do this to us? And they're obviously about to fight. Yeah, and uh, they're like, all right, boys, let's give them a fucking spanking, says Butcher. In issue, in issue five. Now, final issue. Yeah. Say fucking God. Oh, God. No more Edge Lords for a while after this. Please, ever again. Yeah. So they were going about to fight off. And uh, it's a super bloody big yeah, Nightwing says, let's show what it means to fuck with teenage. He gets cut off because Butcher headbutts him in the face and blood pours everywhere. And then he just fucking beats the shit out of their faces. This, this fight is one of the most one-sided fights I've ever seen. Like, I don't understand how these superheroes have powers because you have a whole team of these Teen Titans or whatever. And, like, they never get a punch in. Like, yeah. Are the boys every time they hit one of them, their face like explodes. This is one reason um, I don't think this concept is done well. Even... Uh, even aside from the uh, Edge Lord stuff, like I feel like Punisher kills Marvel Universe is this concept done better, even though that that concept was so done so rushed in that story. Because at least yeah. that story was Punisher cleverly finding out ways to dispatch each hero. Like he nukes the X Men, he like uh, sets up traps for Spider Man. This is they're just better. They're just better at fights. There's, there's no threat to the boys. You never feel like they're in danger. It just feels yeah. like. Mark Millard, uh, not Mark Millard. <laughs> Easy mistake to make. Garth Ennis, uh, just sh- Mary Sue is just being the shit out of characters he doesn't like. And like, it's so obvious that they're not in danger because like they, they, they get their asses kicked so badly, and he's laughing the whole time as he does it too. Yeah. He's just like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. and there, it's so one sided that what it ha- the big conflict that happens is Simon Pegg accidentally kills Blarney Cock. Ironically, I think even uh, Mark Millard does this concept better because Superman. Red Sun is basically Batman and Lex Luthor trying to figure out how do I stop gods when we're people, basically. Yeah. Even that concept on Batman Superman, Red Sun. Mark Millar, how did you, Garth Ennis, fuck you. Yeah, but you can't take Garth Ennis, one of the shittiest Garth Ennis books, and compare it to the best Mark Millar book. I know, but like, but this, concept's so, this concept's so good and it's just wasted here. Can we point out that Static Shock is trying to fly away and Mary Sue over here is holding him by his dick or his balls and like, yeah. he won't let him fly away? But yeah, <laughs> uh, like, like Ryan said... Uh, uh, Simon Pegg accidentally kills Barney Cock and punches his fist right through him. And steals his hamster or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what happens is after Barney Cock dies, as Barney Cock Barney dies, he empties his bowels and because of that... Wait, wait, wait. 
Wait, I wanted to bring up that static shock. <laughs> he, he, he is static shock. You're right. Yeah, the I was static right. shock. Uh, zaps butcher, and butcher gets mad, and he grabs him, and he rips off his thumbs, which is again yeah, yeah. crazy. It, he has electric powers, and the only he gets one tiny zap off on this guy. Like yeah. Yeah. they never do. This is the only hit that the Teen Titans gives to the boys. And then, yeah, he, then he rips his thumbs off. I didn't make the connection of where this hamster came from. Yeah, it's really disgusting. So, uh, Blonnie Cock empties his bowels and the hamster comes out because it's a fucking felching joke. Hilarious. Parfinous. <laughs> and, and they really, they're like, he's, he's covered in tape. So, they, they, even though they're standing over this dead guy's body, they're like, we have to save this. this no, Simon Pegg is like, oh, I have to save this thing. And everyone's like, no, that's grody, icky. He was in his butt. <laughs> and Simon Pegg saves him and everyone else uh, is like... Yeah, I assume that becomes a theme in later volumes that he has this hamster for some reason. Yeah, so then uh, Butcher's not mad that they killed him. They're mad because now they're going to have a superior funeral where he talk about how great he is. I actually love this concept a lot that he's because we always see these big superhero funerals with 100,000 superheroes at them. And I love that he's like, yeah. oh, another one of these fucking things. Especially because yeah. we just saw Blarney Cox stealing from dying children. So we're like, this guy's an asshole. But he gets a big funeral, you know, being all the superheroes except for the seven are there. The vice pre- the vice president is there. Yeah. And the seven, because the seven aren't there, but they do um, take note of this. And it's, they know it's, it's obviously the boys, they're back. And the boys are back in town again. And yeah. uh, now they uh, need to prepare for them. And I love, too, how the Static Shock was forced to come out as gay last issue. And yeah. here they interview him about the funeral, and he's, he was the guy you could t- always talk to. He really struck me when I was struggling with my gayness, with, 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 with being gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they have the, the superior funeral. They have a torch for him on his grave. And uh, then we cut to uh, Butcher and Simon Pegg again. They have a lot of fucking talks. There's a lot of cutting in this fucking yeah. Do they even talk about anything? Uh, they just, he basically, he just talks about, I, I, I killed a guy. He, no, he talks about his origin. Yeah, he, uh, he, Butcher talks about why he joined the team. And it was because someone raped and impregnated his wife. And, and it's implied to be Superman. Yeah. 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 And basically, not, not only that he raped and impregnated his wife, the, the uh, Superman fetus burst out of her chest like a fucking alien chest burster because it was so fucking powerful and you had to kill it. And he, like, got burns from heat vision. Or the ba- the yeah. fetus had heat vision and had to beat his death to the lampstand. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking literally aliens. This fucking yeah. And then instead of showing up at the funeral, the seven has a big press conference and shows off Starlight's new rack. Yeah, in her sexy costume, she looks sad. Yeah, and it's like a big, like stupid commercial for superheroes. The one interesting thing about this end is that, like, while uh, Simon Pegg and Butcher are talking, this is where they talk a lot about how um, superheroes, like. When, when SWAT teams or whatever are, are rescuing hostages, they have a casualty allowance. But for superheroes, they have 60% casualty allowance because these guys are all amateurs, not trained, not licensed. They're amateurs with superpowers who go out and don't give a fuck about other people. And the reason that they're allowed to do this, the reason the military and the cops allow them, is because they're scared of superheroes. Because they, yeah. they even say earlier how the, the world now has about 200,000 superheroes. He says that we could be, our next president could be super... F- you know, super friendly. It's interesting how they even say like the president hates superheroes, but the vice president works for the company, worked for the company that funds the Justice League. So there's yeah. like this, there's this intrigue where like if the president died and the, the VP became president, he's a superhero friendly president. And you know what would that mean for the world? Because the boys are funded by, pre- they're authorized by presidential decree. Yeah. So yeah. whatever. And if he has, you know, you can also add an extra layer of nuance with lobbying that if he worked. 
it's like when you see congressmen that up until a year ago worked for big oil yeah you can't really necessarily trust their judgment on this issue right and that's why like i do find the like phil said earlier the premise is fascinating and the fact that this went on for such a long time maybe it gets better than this i don't know but this I, I book was bad it. i really didn't like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, either. Ironically, uh, ironically, even Mark Millard does this concept better because Civil War does the idea of we have to train these people and police them better than this story does. Yeah, yeah. But this is politically, this is interesting enough to me that this is why I said, like, if people wanted to, if somebody, if any of our listeners has read all of the boys or more of it, let me know if it gets better than this because, like, I think you can explore this well. But the, the final note that book ends on is the book of Mom. What, what the name is? Basically, uh, asks like the milk of mom. What is what's the fucking name? <laughs> Mother's milk. Mother's milk. <laughs> what did you say? The milk of mom. <laughs> I don't talk good. Stop pointing it out. But um, basically, uh, the guy whose name I forgot already. Uh, he says like, what if there are good superiors out there? What if the people out there trying to legitimately do good? Like, is this wrong to, like, to do this to all of them? And uh, Butcher says, well, if they are, fuck them. And that ends the story. Yeah. See, I didn't read a lot of his dialogue as angry as you read into it. I didn't read. I'm not saying it's angry, but like he's but like, I like it, I like it because that reminds me of fucking um, Rambo. Fuck him. <laughs> I think uh, if anything, that was probably setting up for later that maybe Simon Pegg will disagree with Butcher about stuff because again, he's getting to know Starlight. Or I have. I feel like there's probably going to be a big thing with Starlight. Like she's probably going to save them or something. Yeah. yeah. It's tough because like the, it's like the institutions here are so corrupt that it's hard to be for me to see this as salvageable in the future. Because it's not like you have a bad superhero here and there. It's like the whole Justice League, as soon as they see a girl, are like, oh, we're getting free blowjobs. Like that. Yeah. That's that's institutionally like fucked. I don't know how yeah. you. Where does the nuance come yeah. for the other side? I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So recap page. It's it's wait. I have to, I just have to say it's crazy that yeah. it's not like she's it's not like Starlight was like. A secretary for them she was joining a team as like a peer to like yeah. to to expect yeah. that for the whole team to expect that so easily it's like she's going to become a justice league member not like not like you know the, the temp it's just yeah it, yeah it's crazy yeah it's I not think. your boss asking quid quo pro that's like it's well keep this in mind uh, in real life this does happen where um you have a lot of actors and actors mostly actresses they do say like like acting coaches, not acting coaches, but like agents. people, acting agents, they, they end up having less power than the actors in the long run. But it's a pre- prevalent problem that acting agents will have, you know, actresses, yeah. becoming yeah. actresses, do favors. And like it, it's, it is a legitimate issue that even though eventually that person surpassed that person's popularity, it's still something that does, that's so prevalent and such a systemic issue in the industry that no one talks about it. Yeah. And that stems from an unbalance of power. And when you yeah. have people like The Flash or Superman, that there's literally no one in like the universe that's that powerful. So especially in this universe that they're talking, I could definitely... I like the... I, I, I'm not... I don't... I love this book. This book is great. Ryan Wrench recommends this book. It's <laughs> a recommendation, right, Ryan? Re- re- recommendation. Uh, the Boys. The concept it. of the satire of <laughs> ultimate power leads ultimate abuse of power is something that I could see getting really interesting if they play with the themes more. Yeah, especially because I, I thought, like, Wonder Woman would act as, like, a, an advocate for Starlight, but apparently she's just always drunk somewhere and doesn't... She's so... Which also makes sense, though. Yeah. She might be, she might be jaded, like, she might have sucked all of the cocks herself, and now she's, like, she's like a jaded actress, you know? Yeah. 
I think that's what they were going yeah, for. Yeah, that, like, doesn't, you know, I had to do yeah. it. I'm not going to stand up for you. Yeah. No one stood yeah, up for me. Yeah. And, like, that's why, you know, well, anyway, we could speculate on what happens later all the time. Well, after this book, it becomes, like, 10 out of 10. It becomes the best book Ryan ever read. Yeah. So was this book, a, would you recommend it as a so bad it's good? No. Uh, no. Uh, I would recommend Nemesis over this book. Stop. Oh. Stop saying that. No, this is you, the first time I said it on the show, Daryl. Go. I want you to reread Nemesis right now and tell me that again. But I, I think, I, uh, in terms of which book is better written, I think uh, obviously this is better. I do think Nemesis is potentially better as So Bad It's Good because it's so incompetent in so many ways that it's better as a So Bad It's Good book. Yeah, is that what you mean, Daryl? Yeah, it's that Nemesis. When you read it, like it doesn't set up any kind of expectations for you. It just keeps getting dumber and dumber until it's like absolutely dumbfounding ending. But with this book, there were like some good ideas in there, and then you have blood flex semen, you have the dog sodomy, you have like the the guy smoking the crack while getting a blowjob from a dog man. <laughs> That's like, true. You have so many parts yeah. where you're like, if you just toned yourself down, you could make an interesting book where you like look at and dissect superheroes in a very like clever, nuanced way. But it's yeah, not yeah. nuanced. It's just like Superman is the greatest asshole of all time. Boom. There. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and th- that's why I get like more frustrated with it because, like, like Ryan, part of me wants to know where the story goes, but I don't want to read more than one more issue. Yeah, that's the thing is like that's why like if somebody really told me why this is good, I would read more of it. But like, I'm not going to go buy another trade. And the problem yeah. is too, like, I am kind of interested in the story, like the rest of you guys are. Where it's like I kind of want to know what else he does with these characters. I just can't stand any more of the stupid edgelord stuff. Yeah, yeah. The f- I don't know the, the the I don't know how to phrase this, but like the tone or the f- or the, str- the basically has interesting premise, interesting characters, but the story like fights for you to stop reading. Like stop reading. Yeah. This. that's that's yeah. very fair. Yeah. So speaking of not wanting to read any more edgelord things, <laughs> that's the transition that I'm taking. Uh. To move on to the letters page, I just wanted to thank Zach and Chris on Twitter who have been sending us lots and lots of suggestions. Especially Chris, which he's at Ace Comics on Twitter, has been actually linking me to his blog, which you can find on his Twitter. And I've been getting some ideas of books we want to do from there. And Zach gave us like a list of them over the week that I think we might be taking one of them soon. But we haven't decided which one yet. Right, thanks, guys. So thank you very much for that. Thanks for saving us from this hell we've been in yes. just reading these <laughs> shitty books. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, – I've been talking to a lot of people on Twitter lately, and it's my favorite thing. So that's Divisive Issues on, on Twitter. And same thing, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all that jazz. And – we have one question that comes from Facebook from Barry Anderson, oh, boy. and it is, what happened to my Fantastic Four? Um, well, over time, you know, the <laughs> audience changed because people didn't want the old campy Fantastic Four as much, so they tried to modernize Barry Anderson. And, you know... <laughs> they tried to modernize Barry Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> you can't modernize Barry Anderson, but... Um, and so these past movies we've experienced have been a result of this weird mishmash of the old camp and new modern movie tropes people who uh, are reading listening to this question about reading the facebook wall wonder why we find the concept of barry anderson asking this question really funny (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, if you know, he's a he's a cool guy, but it's Brian Aaron's. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But yeah, so like I said, also divisiveissues at gmail.com. You should send us more letters. He asked us more questions that I don't want to get into. Maybe I'll give us an example so people can know what, to, uh, what we're doing. Oh, God. Ask the one I send over email. Okay. He emailed us. It's The caption is The Issues. And it's, I have listened to your radio show, Divisive Issue, and I want to know what you think of Trump as the next president. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think we're that kind of show. Yeah. <laughs> we're not all divisive issues. Yeah. But I think if you read between the lines on our last few episodes, I think you can figure out what we think. Yeah, you can surmise yeah. our yeah. thoughts. Okay, so lastly, recommendations. Who wants to go first? Wait, Daryl, you go first so I don't forget you this oh, time. Oh, me? I get to go oh, first. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm going to forget you because I have another thing I wanted to mention real quick. Okay. Um, I started listening to another comics podcast called The Comics Canon because they I first found them because they also did a Killing Joke episode last week. And I just wanted to give them a shout-out because they're kind of like the opposite of us where they go much more instead of just like let's see how many goofs we could make about this thing. They go more into like the history of the stories and they basically take stories that instead of divisive controversial ones, they take ones everyone accepts as like the greatest and look at them now and see do they stand up or do people just fondly remember them from when they were kids and that kind of thing. And they have done some things we have like Killing Joke or Civil War and uh, you guys should check them out. Can I apply to that podcast instead? (laughs) (laughs) Do you apply to this one or do you just show up and not leave? Uh, I can't remember anymore. <laughs> well, uh, you guessed started, and you just guessed started again, and guess you're here now. <laughs> you yeah. guessed I'm here. Guessed right, guessed wrong. You're like a guest in Final Fantasy Tactics, everyone's favorite part. So, yeah. recommendations, Daryl's turn, what's up? <laughs> uh, so if you want to see a, or rather, if you want to read a thing about a guy dressed in dark with dark hair that's big and bulky, and he has to fight against these super-powered Wait, beings... Wait, how do you read without seeing, Daryl? <laughs> you... Shut your mouth. <laughs> but if you if you want to read about this, pretty much like a guy that's like a regular man that has to fight against superpowered beings, you should just read Berserk because that's Ooh, also it can be really edgy at times. So it's done in a respectful and uh, it 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 has meaning to its ways. Like it's not just a man gets thrown through someone and they're left with their arms, even though there's a lot of gore in it. Yeah, it's a pretty gory series. <laughs> But is it like shit, people saying shit cock fuck and there's semen everywhere? Is it like that? No. Is it a <laughs> prose book or a comic? It's a manga. manga. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I have well, never heard of it. Well, they're called uh, Japanese comics, Ryan. Oh, okay. manga. Yeah, it's like animes <laughs> for, the, for the pages. Like super yeah. slow motion anime, right? Yeah. 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 Like it never moves until you move it. Anyway, I highly recommend Berserk if you want to see someone fight against super powered characters. So I'm going to recommend another book drawn by Derek Robertson. This is an image book that he did a year or two ago with Grant Morrison called Happy. And it's basically like taking the concept of a super edgelord book where when you start, it's like super cursing and super gory. And his art is even more uncomfortable in this book. And like everything about it is super edgelord, except it turns the whole thing around because it's like... This kind of character that just says, fuck you, fuck you, and, like, fucks everybody all the time. But then he starts getting visited by basically a My Little Pony character that only he can see. And he thinks he's going crazy, but the My Little Pony character tries to... It's Happy the Unicorn 
tries to like convince him to be better than himself and it's such a at a like dichotomy of super super edgy and also super campy ridiculousness in the super edgy style and it's really short and it's a book that i really really loved so you should check out happy so it's like a christmas carol with my little pony uh there is santa fucking kids in it oh no <laughs> So, you know, there's that. I need to join this other podcast. <laughs> the book's great, though. It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, great. We're probably going to end up reading it next week. It's a satire on Edgelord stuff, guys. Okay. Uh, Phil, do you have one? I had trouble actually thinking of these because I couldn't think of other things where you had people fighting superheroes, but I did like the idea behind it where you have real-life superheroes and the idea of... Um, who would police the police type thing? Like, who watches the Watchmen? So, obviously, I could recommend Watchmen, um, where you have real-life superheroes, like a superhero whose cape gets caught in the door, a revolving door, and gets shot. Like, that kind of stuff you don't think about when you think about comics. You're like, superheroes can do anything. But in real life, if you had a bunch of random average humans just getting the ability to, you know, shoot lasers or trying to fight crime, bad things would happen. Um... Watchmen also plays with the politics of it a lot better than this book does. Yeah, yeah. And Watchmen is just better than this overall. Oh yeah, uh, I'm more is better writer than this. A hundred percent. Yeah, who's gonna? <laughs> uh, you can also read, you know, Plato's Republic if you're like, <laughs> I'm interested in how justice should work in society. Should there should there be constraints on the people who govern us? Although it's nothing like this at all. So it's actually good. <laughs> what a bizarre <laughs> and amazing recommendation. <laughs> So uh, whenever we recommend a guy I, I particularly shit on, I usually like recommending a book from that writer that I like. So I'm going to recommend a book from a series called Spider-Man's Tangled Web and a story called The Thousand. It's written by Garth Ennis. And basically, the, the series Spider-Man's Tangled Web was, was made by uh, Marvel as a way to get people who don't usually write Spider-Man to write Spider-Man. So Gar- they got Garth Ennis to write it and... John McCrea to draw it and basically when you read it it has the potential to become this like you know that countdown you have in your head like something horrible is going to happen um, mm-hmm. like you have that with kind of a Spider-Man story because basically the premise is one of the people that bullied Peter when he was a kid and the story is totally tied from his perspective just like the, the boys are large main perspective in the story basically there's a uh, he, he, after Peter got his powers in, in, the original, in the original Spider-Man origin uh, basically, just like in the movie and all the other origins, uh, he showed off his powers to test them out and swung around without his mask on before he had his mask. And this bully, after Peter got bitten by a spider, he came out to uh, pick on Peter for passing out and acting like a pussy. Uh, and he see- instead he sees Peter climbing walls and swinging. He realizes his secret. And basically, he tried to recreate the experiment. And instead of becoming a Spider-Man-like character, he became... A monster, a sentient, a bunch of sentient spiders called a thousand. That like it's like a swarm, wearing a human skin, and uh, basically the story is told from his perspective. And we see Spider-Man as as you know as everyone else sees him as this very obnoxious, joking, sarcastic character. And uh, the thousand thinks I'm going to I'm going to bring him down. I, I know Parker. I knew him my whole life. He's a weakling. He's he's a coward. I'm going to break him. I'm going to show the world what I know already is true. Peter is a fraud. He's not a hero. Uh, he doesn't deserve what he's got. He just got lucky. Just because he got Spider-Man powers doesn't make him a hero. I should have gotten his powers, and I'm going to break him. And and the whole story, because it's Garfinis, I thought, is going to be a story where he realizes, yes, Peter's a piece of shit. Fuck him. Because Garfinis has done before. He did his punch and run. He makes Spider-Man into a fucking 
asshole like the A train and stuff like that. <laughs> but the story actually is when Spider-Man finally does get confronted, it actually becomes about how Peter is a strong character because he endured all the bullying this guy gave him. He endured his uncle's death. He endured all this other stuff, and he moved on from his high school life. And this guy never did. Basically, it's it's it turns out how it's about how strong Peter is as a person that he moved on and he grew from what happened to him in high school. All this guy just dwells in the first of his life. It's a very beautiful story, and I recommend it. That sounds awesome. Cool. Slice recommendations are always like the spark notes of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of books. Yeah. So it's always tough because I want to give the reason why I love them and not just say we this story about Garfield is where Peter's like an asshole. And trust me, that's not going to turn out that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you could tell Daryl fits right in with the show because he's he's I guess permanent now, and he's already being like Sly, you suck. <laughs> am I am I permanent or just a permanent guest? Oh my god, guests! No. Yeah. Yes. Make him a permanent guest. This is your punishment. You're reborn as a guest. No, I don't want to be. <laughs> and we want to we want to have a fourth party member, but we're stuck with you. We can't control you. Yeah, I'm just gonna go in the corner and use auto potion. <laughs> Come hit me! Throw rocks at okay. me! Okay. How? I'm trying to end this show, and you guys are just still talking about Final Fantasy. I can't stop. That's my recommendation, actually. Play Final Fantasy Tactics if you haven't. It's nothing to do with this book, but it's an excellent. So game. Plato's Republic Watchmen and Final Fantasy. Tactics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. Don't read the boys. Read those or play them. Yeah, do an audio book while you're playing. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We've been Divisive Issues. I'm Ryan Lynch. I'm Cy Crapper. I'm Phil Mavrikis. And I'm Daryl Steffen. Stay in continuity. The boys.